You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is Father James Scholl, and I'd like to do a lecture uh, which is called On Being Roman Catholic. And this lecture was given at the Papal Nunciature in Washington to the alumni of uh, Thomas Aquinas College in California. It was published at the website called www.alethea.org on the 1st of November in 2014, and it was also on the Thomas Aquinas College newsletter. It begins with a three citations. And the first one is from St. Athanasius uh, in his letter to Seraphionum, which is found in the office for Trinity Sunday. And he says, quote, It will not be out of place to consider the ancient tradition, teaching and faith of the Catholic Church, uh, which was revealed by the Lord, uh, proclaimed by the apostles, and guarded by the fathers. For upon this faith the church is built, and if anyone were to lapse from it, he would no longer be a Christian, either in fact or in name. The end of the quote. The second citation is from Tolkien's um, account called the Silmarillion, which comes from 1927. He says, quote, from splendor, he, that is Morgoth, who that is his Lucifer, fell through arrogance to contempt for all things save himself, a spirit wasteful and pitiless. Understanding, he turned to subtlety in perverting to his own will all that he would use until he became a liar without shame. The end of the quote. And the last citation is from Thomas Aquinas from the Summa, where he says, After grace had been revealed, both learned and simple folks are bound to explicit faith in the mysteries of Christ, chiefly as regards those which are observed throughout the Church and publicly proclaimed, such as the articles that refer to the Incarnation, the end of the quote. The title of this lecture is not John Locke's The Reasonableness of Christianity, nor Ludwig Feuerbach's The Essence of Christianity, neither of which treatise had much to do with Catholicism and consequently, as I would rashly put it, little to do with reason either. Yet, it is more than C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity. The reason that property belongs to Catholicism delights to hear any objection to its truth. Such objections incite us to clarity and distinction. Catholicism is a revelation confident in its own grounding and coherence. If someone disavows it, or any of its basic tenets, you must give a reason 
for his disagreement. These given reasons can, in turn, be understood and examined for their own truth content or lack of it. Such objections are likewise indirect teachers of what is true, of what is hidden, and what is uh, proclaimed. Thinking erroneously is ever an occasion for thinking correctly. We owe it to error, the courtesy, to find the truth for which it gropes. Since Catholicism claims to be true and not just another relativism, it cannot avoid dealing with positions that claim to be claim it to be false. The title of a book of mine is precisely The Mind That Is Catholic. It is of the essence of Catholicism to be an intellectual religion. On its own tenets, it is not true if a case cannot be made for its validity. The final words in Chesterton's 1905 book, Heretics, were that the last defenders of reason in the modern world would be the believers in that distinct revelation that is alone directed uh, to reason at its best. If my understanding of the modern world is anywhere near accurate, I think that we have already reached the point that Chesterton saw over a hundred years ago. Catholicism almost alone defends reason that is based on what is. We are the last to hold that it is a given world that we do not create of our own minds. And yet, we do discover and articulate what is, what is reality with these same minds. In the modern world of institutionalized relativism, any claim to truth is immediately chastised as being arrogant or fanatic. Catholics will thus seem like braggarts who doubt the modern mind's basic prejudices. When home television sets were beginning to become common, Lucy is visiting Charlie Brown in his house, and she is in the parlor before the TV set. She boasts to Charlie, Our television screen is bigger than yours. And Charlie, across the room, good guy that he is, responds, It is. That's fine. I'll bet you enjoy it. In the next scene, Charlie looks at a book. Lucy continues to provoke him. My dad makes more money than your dad. Our house is a lot better than yours. But before he deflated Lucy, Charlie happily uh, explains, I realize that and I am very happy for you. In the final scene, Lucy tightens her fists before an uncomprehending Charlie Brown who just doesn't get it, and she yells at him, You drive me crazy. This claim to truth and the evidence for it, both of reason and revelation, is, I suspect, what most drives the modern world precisely crazy. The claim to truth is, as it implies, 
in John's Gospel, the source of the prosecution or the persecution that Christ told his disciples to expect. Their most reasonable teaching must sound precisely crazy in a world that denies any order any order in, the, in uh, nature or in human being that is not placed there by man alone. Even the word crazy has no meaning if there is, in fact, no order, no norm uh, to compare it with. In the breviary for Trinity Sunday, St. Athanasius, who died in 373 A.D., speaks of the inner life of the Godhead. This is the teaching that most challenges our reason to be itself more reasonable. Athanasius told us to consider the ancient traditional teaching of the Catholic Church. This uh, teaching was revealed by the Lord, proclaimed by the apostles, and guarded by the Church Fathers. If we lapse from this teaching, we would not be Catholic either in fact or in name. We are, no doubt, in a world filled with lapsed Catholics, a world that usually rejects any proposition that even claims to be true. And yet, it does not take a genius to understand why the premises of relativism claim as true that there is no truth. With this inescapable contradiction, we must begin our reasoning. It cannot be true that there is no truth if the denial of truth is itself true. Other truths, truth itself, are built precisely on this principle of contradiction, as the classical writers have always understood. We are tempted to maximize church membership numbers by minimizing what doctrine we are to believe. Catholicism holds that everything essential that we, that we need to know in Revelation is, uh, is present in the beginning and handed down to us with the guarantee of its integrity. Our understanding of what is revealed can deepen. What is revealed remains the same. What does this insistence that we already have what we need to know mean? It means that thinking about what is revealed makes us more reasonable. This implies that the origin of reason and revelation is identical. To reject revelation somehow makes us less capable of knowing and seeing what is. From the beginning era, we were told that what we needed to know for our salvation, itself the purpose of the Incarnation. We were told this from the beginning. God was not negligent in not telling us more in not revealing every last detail so that there was nothing left for us to figure out by ourselves. He left wide spaces for us to use our own brains. 
but in thinking about what is given for us to know about God's inner life, we also discover what we come to know more than we could, uh, more than we could have otherwise have known about everything else had this revelation not been given to us. We are brought together in the heritage of Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas tells us that not only is grace revealed, but that it is given to both the simple and the learned. Catholicism is not an elitism or a Gnosticism. For every doctor of the church, there are hundreds and hundreds of ordinary saints. Catholicism does not uh, presuppose that the simple of our of our kind know nothing. The apostles were simple fishermen, but they were by no means stupid. The mysteries that need to be known by both the simple and the learned are to be publicly proclaimed by the church to the world, especially those teachings that have to do with the Incarnation. That is, Christ, the Son of God, as all available evidence shows, actually existed in this world as a human being. This is why we have the creed, itself a veritable mine of classical thought. Uh, this can, uh, claim to truth is the conclusion of Benedict Sixteenth, Jesus of Nazareth. Catholicism maintains that simple people are important enough to be saved even if they were not philosophers. But it also thinks that they were receptive enough to have explained to them the truths about God, man, and the cosmos that were needed by anyone to realize that it all did make sense, that each person did have a transcendent end that Augustine located in the city of God. We live, as I see it, in a culture in which every effort is made to relativize and render innocuous the real difference, differences that exist among the philosophies and religions of the world. We ask how religions are alike, not how they differ. But they do differ. Many want a parliament of religion, not a true church. This endeavor cows religion into political uniformity um, and irrelevancy. In one of its strands, religion is downplayed because of what is estimated or what is assumed about the various so-called wars of religion. The wars of the early modern period were thought to be caused by religion, specifically by their differences. The solution, as we read in both Hobbes and Rousseau, is to subject all religion to state power in the name of civil peace and harmony. It is further to elevate economics and material interests so that men will not have time for or interest in any transcendent issues. 
<clears throat> yet, Chesterton said somewhere, their religions do not differ much in their externals. All have garb, music, and gestures that are not um, that much different. Where they really differ lies in what they hold to be truth, to be true about man, God, and the world. In this context, religion is to be rendered clawless. Freedom of religion, the vaunted premise of liberal democracy, comes to mean merely freedom of worship. That is, we can believe whatever outlandish and irrational thing we want inside the walls of our churches, but we cannot act outside of them without permission of the state. The public works of religion must first conform to the laws of the state. These laws, in turn, have no other justification but themselves in their own self-defined statements. The notion of a written constitution limiting government by its checks and balances has been rendered uh, inoperable. Courts, legislatures, and executives are not hampered by constitutions or laws that transcend nature itself. The notion of a natural or transcendent law that in turn allows appeal of civil laws to a higher law is rejected. The state is absolutely sovereign. Maritain, in his Man and the State, once remarked that the very notion of sovereignty could not be properly applied to the state. The term had to do with the status of God in his transcendence, not the state, which was never sovereign as God was sovereign. However, once we grant that no higher appeal can be made to judge state laws, the state becomes, in effect, sovereign. That is, it holds uh, the place of God. It becomes the arbiter of good and evil. It is, as Hobbes called it, the mortal God, evidently with power, uh, through fear of violent death, to eliminate any appeal uh, to an immortal God. The second of the passages that I cited in the beginning was from Tolkien's account of the first age, as he called it, the first age as he called it. Already before the coming of men, there was the recounting of the fall of the angels, or Valar, named of the angel or Valar called Morgoth, who would be more familiar to us as Lucifer. We are told of the contempt for all things, uh, except for oneself, of turning everything to one's own purpose, um, uh, to end by lying about the truth of things that are. We are to read literature, it is said, so that we will have explained to us what happens uh, in human nature that we do not experience or know directly, so that when it happens, we will recognize what is at stake. 
I must confess that I see some uh, relation to the state that implicitly lies to us about the nature of our moral acts, lies that end by making what is evil to be our rights, to be thus good. But I do not propose to critique the absolute state into which modern democracies, uh, like other political forms, have fallen, usually by a slow step-by-step erosion of the good. Catholics are often told in St. John's Gospel that dire things can and will happen to them because of what uh, they believe about what Christ is, who Christ is. We cannot but be aware uh, that many Christians have died of uh, persecution in recent decades. Many people, especially Jews, often comment on the relative indifference that Catholics seem to show for the fate of their fallen co-religionists in other parts of the world. Part of this, no doubt, is that we have no armies, no independent force. We are told by our religious leaders even that violence is always bad and that dialogue is all we can use. Another part of the reason is that our countrymen generally maintain that maintain the thesis that all wars are caused by religion, not by uh, greed, envy, or pride. When religion is persecuted, we thus hear very little of it, or if we do, it is usually explained that religion is the cause, not the effect of this persecution. So in the light of these sometimes somber reflections, what is it that I want to say about being Catholic? Initially, I have always liked the remark of Walker Percy, who, when persistently um, asked by hostile voices why he became a Catholic, responded briefly, what else is there? As I have said earlier, Catholicism is generally interested in this, what else is there? As we learn from Plato, Aristotle, and Aquinas, Augustine too, we do not really understand the full truth of something until we can explain the arguments against that truth. Sometimes we fear that science, technology, or some other systems are real threats to the validity of Catholicism. Most often, however, when examined, we can distinguish between the truth and the falsity of some position thought to undermine what Catholicism holds. This effort to understand reasons uh, for its rejection is why Catholicism has always been and must be an intellectual revelation. We recognize that we do need teachers of wisdom on the human side. Faith is addressed to reason, to a reason that must itself do all it can to be reasonable, to know what is true. 
In a recent book of mine, Rational Pleasures, I argued a point that Benedict XVI made with such insight. The modern world, he said, was in fact a little more than a gigantic effort to accomplish the transcendental ends of Catholicism, not by grace and faith, but by our own efforts uh, in this world. The classic Marxist uh, accusation that the reason the world is in such disorder uh, is because uh, believers uselessly spend their time with the next life, not improving this one, seems in practice to be just the opposite of what is really what really happens. Those who are most concerned with the next life are also those who are most concerned about this one, about what goes on within it. It is Catholicism, along with Plato, that maintains that what we do or do not do in this life is to be judged precisely because of its importance, of uh, because of the importance of each actual person in his actual life. The systems and views uh, that hold human happiness is ahead of us in this world have become the real end of our technology and politics. The eradication of death, of evil, by economic, political, and technical means, the preservation of the earth for its own sake, have become the substitutes for Catholicism. These are the idols of our time. It has always struck me as odd uh, the emphasis that Scripture places on the first commandment not to worship false gods. But as it turns out, this commandment seems to be the essential one. The unraveling of man's good and natural, of man's good and nature itself, follows from its denial. The being Roman Catholic, in conclusion, is the great intellectual adventure of our kind. We are invited to participate in it, but we can refuse it. It is a realism of its own kind. It is certainly not liberal uh, as modern, uh, moderns understand it, nor is it conservative. The way that I put it uh, to myself is that it is Thomist. That is, it gives full uh, credit to reason and to what it can affirm by its own powers. But it is also aware of the fall and the consequences of sin. It sees the real drama of our lives to be how we live in whatever polity in which we happen to spend our four score years if we uh, uh, be given so many. The vastness of the divine plan for us is overwhelming, but it includes us as individual persons who begin to live in this time, in this world. 
our final end, and this is a blessing, is not in this world, even though we originate in this world. As St. Paul and others tell us, there is a divine plan that is working itself out in the cosmos in which we find ourselves. We are included in this plan, but we are free to reject it. Many seem to do so. We do not understand evil. Uh, we do not under, underestimate evil, nor make it more powerful than God's own graces. We are told in the church all we need to know about our final end, and we are told by this same church that we must use our minds and good sense. We best know that revelation is addressed to us when we realize that we do not know everything by our own powers. It is in these curious things that we cannot figure out, those curious things that we cannot figure out by ourselves, that revelation sheds the light on our minds to guide us to what we do not know. We learn that God is not only God not only exists, but He exists as uh, three persons, one of whom came and dwelt amongst us. He told us enough to save our souls and even improve our politics if we would, but we had to live and to be open to a gift that we did not uh, merit. In the end, all is gift. Nothing needs to exist, and yet it does. To be a Roman Catholic means to be open to this gift and to be charged by it to understand what we really are, persons invited to live with, within the inner life of the Godhead. We may accept or reject this invitation, in the course of our lives. That finally is why we are given our lives, to make this choice. All else perhaps matters, but nothing matters as much. The end of the lecture. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.